Oh! Oh my god, his ass now! <laughs> you have to be fast in the track. I hate that guy. This race can change the rest of your life. My bottle got stretched a little bit. I got a tight little butt. I'm about to light this shit up. Coffee Chatter show number 116 with David Graff talking about his retirement. Um, just finished recording with him. What an episode we just had with him. I can't wait for you guys all to hear this. T, how we doing? Yeah, it was a really good show. Really good to hear from G Raff. I'm gonna miss gonna miss watching him on the track. He was um, he's been an absolute staple on the World Cup scene and on the world scene forever now. Um, one of the oldest riders in the circuit too, and most successful at this point. So yeah, really cool to chat with G Raff as always. He's very um, very intelligent guy when it comes to training and racing and everything. And yeah, just good to chat with him. Good buddy. Yeah, he is. I think a lot of people will enjoy the conversation we had with him. There's a lot of insight he shared, which I thought was very cool. Um, stuff that blew my mind. Some stuff that felt like he was talking directly to me. I was taking it like, this is really cool to hear. Um, and like you said, yeah, I mean, people love Giraffe. People, he's one of a kind. So, yeah, it's great. Long long live Giraffe, baby. Long, long live, live Giraffe. Yeah, people are going to be missed. I'm stoked he's uh, staying in the sport as a, in a coaching role as well. It's cool when uh, old riders like move on from racing side but still stay in the sport. I'm a big fan of that, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool he's going to be the Swiss national team coach now. Um, I'm really th- I was just thinking as we were doing it, like I'm really thankful that we were both able to race each other in World Cup mains in our prime and be on some of like the biggest mains together. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, he's such a... Such a good rider, really consistent over the years. Made a ton of World Cup mains, World mains, good podiums. Yeah, all around awesome rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really was. Um, before we get into this intro, we got to thank uh, one of our sponsors of the show, ProGate Europe. Winning starts with a great gate. Holy shit, did Graf have some great gates, hey? Holy shit, did he ever. We're talking great. He'll tell you about the Belgian World Cup in 2017 in the semi. I think, yeah, like I said, I think I was two lanes over from him on the inside. He came out like a fucking missile and cut us all off. It was crazy. <laughs> he, uh, he's got, he's one of those guys, man. He could just lay one down. Like there were some rounds you'd see at World Cups, probably like that one in Zolder in 2017, where he would just come out like a rocket and be like, holy shit, did he just, did he just do that? And he just did. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Truly just uncorks one and comes out like so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all on a pro gate Europe though. All on a ProGate Europe. All on a pro- if you want to have a great gate like David Graff, you got to start with you know ProGate Europe. That's where you go. That's where you go get your gate. Let them know Coffee Chatter sent you. Um, it's just they're going to help you out get a gate. Yeah, they're probably going to give you one for free if you ask. So go hit them up. <laughs> hit them up, people. ProGate Europe. Thanks for uh, thanks for supporting the show as always. Hit them up. Hit them up. Hit them up. Uh, well, t- welcome back to to your studio, James. You had a good weekend at uh, National Champs. Went and hung out in Calgary at National Champs. I did, and it was a, a great time. I'm really glad I went out there. It was a very last-minute trip. I was uh, talking old D-Train on Dana Tukcher on Tuesday, and I was like, kind of missed her hanging out with her. So I was like, I want to watch National Champs as well. Why don't I just come out for a couple of days? So I drove out on Wednesday, hung out, and then watched our National Champs on the weekend. And I got to say, it is in Canada, I'm probably around the world for other countries too, it's, it's the coolest race we have um, of the year to watch in our country. It is awesome. I loved every minute out of it. Like, it brings 
everyone in our sport together, which we don't always get in Canada with the country being so big. Um, and we really have, I, we said it before, we have some talent coming up the ranks in, uh, in Canadian BMX, and it's awesome. Dude, to see. yes, we do. Yeah. Dude, 100%. Like, I was watching the live feed. Um, I had a lot of my, uh, or I had some of the riders I coach racing it, obviously, so I was watching them, but I also just wanted to watch it in general, too. Dude, the level's high. Like, the amateur level in Canada keeps getting deeper and deeper. There's some legit fast riders in every single age group. We just don't have as many as riders as other countries. But, like, we have good talent coming up, really good. And the turnout in general looked good. Like, the stands were packed around the track. Dude, it looked like a sick event. I was getting hyped for the mains. Like, the show, I got to say, the live stream, dude, was legit. They had three awesome. different camera angles. Awesome. And they were showing different different dude they were showing different angles around the track i was like are you kidding me this is le- this is a legit <laughs> show dude, it was like streaming in hd it was unbelievable it was way better than most of the the other streams we see in the bmx world um so that was my saturday man i just i just enjoyed the show and just cheered on my riders and just enjoyed it yeah i was gonna say that's i knew you had a bunch of riders here probably watching so i didn't know how the stream was yeah. but that's sick i saw a couple of the random clips people shared of their themselves or you shared of your riders and i was very happily surprised on how good the stream was that was awesome but i'm 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 dead serious when i say it was the legit stream like i when i was when i saw like they um the morning of i saw yeah there's gonna be a live stream i was like okay well it's probably gonna be some like janky little stream and it's you know yeah but boy was i wrong like, this was <laughs> this was this was a great i would give it a great a for uh, production um truly enjoyable to watch like tv worthy stream awesome absolutely love to hear that really do dude so good yeah so good so there is if we can do this in canada there is no reason why much bigger bmx places and companies can't do this because bmx in canada is pretty small and it wasn't we don't have a big production in canada for bmx so if we yep. can do it like clearly everyone can do it yeah that's so true so we need to start doing this around the world that's it's sick um i yeah, was it was dope yeah i was gonna say i realized i've been a little loud this whole time i was gonna say i was worried going into the weekend like we've <laughs> talked about bmx in canada because of covid it's taken a hit like around in the u.s it hasn't taken a big as big of a hit we'd say because people people start they, they opened bmx back up early people started riding that was their outlet well bmx in canada we haven't really had that so i was worried that we were going to have much very small numbers going into this weekend and i was happily surprised like there was some deep classes and like you talked about, some really fast riders as well. So that was awesome, awesome to see. Yeah, like a lot of the classes had quarters, which is unreal. Like <laughs> yeah. National champs. Yeah, you kidding me? Too like yeah. like like we've. Yeah, I know. Seriously, some classes like forty riders. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I think um, because in Canada, like you said, there haven't been many races. The COVID. I mean, Canada's really strict with COVID, and all the stuff has been canceled. Really, so. For Canadians to finally get like a big legit race, everyone just just stepped up and wanted to go for it, and it was so cool to see. Honestly, I wish I was there in person. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really glad I went. Like you said, we have we have some really top riders. I think coming through the ranks, we just don't really have the depth of those riders still in Canada, um, which makes it tough when they get older and they still want to progress because it, it's very. We have a small number to pick from or to as hopeful as like moving forward. Uh, but I hope that with all these kids, like the amount of numbers we had just at this race at National Champs, hopefully that continues to grow in the next five, ten years here. Because that would be sick to see. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like the racing was intense. Like we were texting dur- during it. We saw yeah. some kids across the line and throw like massive sellies, dude. It was dope. It was um, so sick to see. And the then, sellies um, were awesome. Yeah, it, 
these the kids are coming across the line arm pumping and it was honestly really cool for me watching as a coach with a lot of my riders had three riders win and so to like coach them to a national championship win was like a such a fulfillment i haven't felt before as a you know because i just started more or less coaching really mm-hmm. so to actually feel what it feels like to have your rider like win a big race is the coolest feeling because mm-hmm. you know how excited they are and to be a part of that journey like i was yelling at my laptop with all my riders it was so I, it was so much fun i had so much fun watching that's so sick because you're that's that's what they've been all work like a lot of them that's like the biggest race they got to do this year it is the biggest race they'll get to do this year probably as well so that's so sick that you're able to help them yeah. do that and what a cool feeling that must be Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't experienced that yet as a coach. So to have some, yeah, riders like, you know, this has been their goal all year is to win national champs and them do it is just like, feels so special. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I got to give a shout out to Um, uh, the Tugas boys here. Um, They put on a show at national champs in the Canada Cup. Um, First of all, Alex Tugas, you got second. Little bro Ryan took the national championship. It was, first of all, it's awesome to see Alex racing again. We knew he raced St. Albert. few weeks ago i guess was it maybe race out maybe a month ago i can't remember how long ago that last, canada cup last was. month yeah yeah it was a canada cup um but coming off that injury had a, a few years ago now a couple years ago really awesome to see him back racing i think a lot of people love that and then what a showing by little tugas um that kid's been running under the radar because he missed his junior years he was injured his first junior year then COVID hit his second and he hasn't been kind of on the scene racing but i tell you like those two kids like they got some they got some genes. They got some natural like abilities inside of them. They're fast. They're fast. Yeah, both both Tugas bros super fast. Yeah, um, really impressed with them both ways. First of all, Alex, I'm just so proud of him and so happy for him that he's that he's racing. Like obviously, we all know that he had a horrific head injury in Palpinel two years ago. So to see him back now and battling for a national championship win after what he went through is is unbelievable. Truly, and it's. I'm just so happy for him, like as a friend that he's healthy and can do that. Like that's incredible. Um, and then, yeah, to see Ryan, like I've known Ryan since he was a little kid and to see him grow yeah. up and now be an elite national champion is, is so like full circle and cool. And holy shit, was he fast? Like we're talking legit double A fast. Both those, both yeah. the Tugas bros are. Um, but yeah, Ryan, I mean, super impressive. Holy shit, man. He, he was fast. Can we can we get these guys a sponsor? Can we get these guys a deal? Like I know they haven't been like Alex has hasn't been he's been come back from his injury. Ryan hasn't really raced um, because of COVID stuff. Juniors, both of them just free agents. One two at national champs. Are you kidding me? Like can we get these guys on a deal of some sort? Let's go! Come on. <laughs> Honestly, I it's not. I mean, there's not that many P- double A's that could have come and pulled Ryan there. I don't give a fuck. There's not that many that could have. No. No, I swear to God, no. It's insane. Like, I, the amount of, like we no, trained all last year, like on like every time we're doing gates, especially on the like the flatter hills. Like the kid is just a rocket. It's un, it's unreal. It's unreal. He is. So yeah, he has so much potential. Um, well, both of them are still really young too. Like, if they wanted to, they could have good careers in the sport. So really, yeah, it was super cool to see. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and then shout out to uh, Molly winning the elite national championship for the females. Um, smaller class in the women, the junior and women were combined. Um, but you know, well-deserved, well-deserved. So how, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to, I was going to say, so Molly and Tegan are together. Obviously I was just kind of chuckling at myself. Like they're battling, battling each other. Like, how does that work? Like, 
not how does it work, but it's just kind of a funny dynamic, you know? It's, it's such an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Like having to battle each other like that. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. I can't even imagine what it would be like. I know. It's so, I was just thinking of watching Molly and Tegan kind of battling and now Tegan's going to turn elite next year. So they're going to legitimately race each other for national championship or whatever. It's just such a, like you're dating the person and then you're also going to like try and beat the person. It's kind of funny. Like obviously Brooke and Rach race each other too. Oh. <laughs> it's cool that they're together and they race each other and everything. It's just kind of a, such a unique like dynamic. It's like, how does that work? What happens if one of them gets pissed at the other one for cutting each other off and vice versa? <laughs> Yeah, like it was a lot easier, I think, this time around because they knew that they one was fighting for junior national champ, one was fighting for elite. So they're like, they just knew they just go one, two, and it's fine. Like it's no big deal. But when they're both going for the same one, it's going to be a little, little tighter. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, it's so funny. But yeah, congrats to Molly. Honestly, she, yeah, she um, just looks very world class when she rides now. Like mm-hmm. she looked really clean around the track. Like um, yeah, she's just yeah, a top rider in the making. Yeah, jumping the triple in the tur- into the first turn, she looked just like effortless, just flowing it. It was really, yeah, yeah. really cool to see. Yeah, um, I got really good. I have one funny story to share from Sunday, the Canada Cup day. So at these Canada Cups, we do a junior development class, which is I think like thirteen to sixteen years old or fourteen to sixteen. Um, yeah. It's a really exciting class to watch. Well, anyways, your boy Carson Kowalski. Yes, I know where this is going. You know exactly where this is going. Okay, so yes, I know where this is going. Mid call. This is the final on Sunday of the junior development class. Mid call on in in the race and the final. Somebody from the stands goes, "Let's go, Carson!" And he <laughs> just I don't he flinched or something, and the gate call dropped instantly, and he got completely fucked over. Yeah, he said he almost flipped it. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, oh my god. I was. T- it's honestly like he was like pissed. Obviously, like anyone would be. But then it's just at some point, like we kind of just got a laugh and a laugh yeah. about it because it's so beyond your control. Like what I was telling him, like it's so beyond our control. This kind of stuff, such a freak thing to happen. Like there's nothing you. It's like there's nothing really to say. Like you just, I don't know. It it happened to me. Something similar happened to me in South Park one year in the semi. And then I ended up getting a terrible start, got fifth in the semi, didn't make it. And I was super pissed too. But it's like, I don't know, it's just one of those things. It's just a freak thing. And you're just like, what the fuck happened? But yeah. kind of just laugh at it after the fact. Just be thankful it didn't happen on National Championship Day, is what I said. <laughs> Dude, what if it happened at like, imagine it happens at the Olympics or something? Oh my God. I can't. I can't. It's like, I would, li- I would light that person on fire. Oh my God. I would, I'd probably try to sue them. I don't know how. I don't know what you could try to sue them for, but I try to sue them because <laughs> it's ridiculous. That would be insane. Like that's just like general. There's general common courtesies in all sports. Like in golf, you're not yelling in somebody's swing. That's it in BMX. You just do not do not talk during the call. Dude. So speaking of that, if you watch the London Olympic 100 meter final, like mm-hmm. for running, yeah, you know they're like set. And then they're in the blocks right before the gun. Someone throws a water bottle from the stands and you can see it land behind the guys on the track. And then the gun goes. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it a while ago. I just thought of it. But yeah, if you look it up, like London London Olympic final. Holy yeah, shit. someone throws the bottle right but Dude, what a fucking idiot. Like why? You're literally trying to, um, in that instance, like you're literally trying to fuck these people up. Yeah, and that is obviously the yeah. person who like yelled Carson, like clearly what just wasn't thinking of that at the time and whatever. But like, why would you deliberately try and fuck someone? No, I know. That's insane. Like at the Olympic Games, like yeah. that throwing a bottle, that's, in, that's insane. You're just an asshole if you're doing that there. But that kind of stuff sneakily happens all the time in Canada. Like 
so many races officials have been like on their microphone oh. behind the gate during during not microphone uh walkie talkie behind the gate during the cadence and it's just like i think last time we raced in calgary or maybe it's 2016 mm-hmm. um i think the women were in front of us and they like talked on their walkie talkie during the cadence and i was like yeah. yeah 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 and then and then they realized like oh fuck like how do you not fucking know like I, what are you doing like you're supposed to be experts at this at the end of the day, even it's funny that because we we are more races than these officials probably are. Some of them, some of them are great, but some of them are like it's like how do you not realize you're supposed to be an expert? Like shut that thing up, shut it up, shut up. I know, I know. Yeah. Most are good, obviously. Most yeah. know, but then it's just everyone. I think yeah, you're right. The ones that yeah, the ones that don't come to the races often, they probably don't even think you. They don't do it deliberately, but they don't even think about it. But like you just like the guy who Nick hit. You just you got to be better. You got to be better. I heard some. I know I heard some details on that. Dude was fucked up. Like I'm talking, like he. Oh really? Oh, I mean, like, I'm not surprised. I'm not. I mean, he got a hel- He got a hel- He got a helmet to the face. I dude. Mean. Oh yeah, I'm talking like he was in the hospital past the Olympics, like in Tokyo, like couldn't leave. Like I'm. T- I I heard some details. I can't remember the exact one, so I'm not gonna just say random things that were wrong with him and might mess it up. But like fucked up. Unreal. Uh, poor guy. Like shocked how badly he was injured. It's crazy. So anyway. Well, you think about it, you basically got a bowling ball to your, you got a bowling ball to your face. Yeah. You got hit by a truck. Neek's a, Neek's a truck. Like you just got run over <laughs> you by got a truck. Hit, you got, you, 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 yeah, you got hit by a car is what, what happened. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's quite something. Um, Quick Sylvan social media check, and we got all the Europeans on vacation. I'm seeing Meryl in um, in Greece, which I've I've always wanted to go there. Uh, Giraffe is in, I believe, Croatia at the moment. Nick is Nick is I think in. Can't if he's in Spain or somewhere. Can't remember what he said, but he's somewhere. And then we just got Sylvan grinding at French Cups. We just, just got go- Sylvan <laughs> just on tour still. He's. He can't not race, dude. He can't not be riding bikes and racing. It's dude, insane. It's unbelievable. Like, there's no way. I, like, I I always loved racing, but after the Olympics and after you do that, like, there's no way I would go to a French Cup. No. There's, there's just no way. Like, <laughs> like, let me put the bike down. Let me just go have a break. God damn. <laughs> yeah, let me just do. Look at me go play golf and do something else for a sec. But dude, like, it's unbelievable. That fucking guy just grinding at French Cups. Grinding. Four weeks out from the Olympics. I don't remember exactly his timeline of it, but it was something like he drove a shit ton of hours. I think he got there like barely in time to do the first race and still put it on the box and then race the second day. I think he won. It's just insane. The the amount of time that guy spends just going it's to races unreal. racing. It's crazy. Crazy. It's I, I don't even know. It's just speechless. Yeah, it's just, wow. I mean, good on him. He just loves it. <laughs> good on him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, I, speaking I of that, well, while, while we were talking to Giraffe, I mean, slight change of topic. So he's, I'm 29, he's 32. So he's just stopping racing now. That would mean I would race for three more years to get to Giraffe's level. <laughs> That's isn't that wild, a crazy thought? Yep. The, and what's crazy is Sylvan's probably going to at least do that. Yeah, yeah, Sylvan will for sure, yeah. especially with Paris in three years. And I mean, he just loves BMX, so he's yeah, he will for sure. Yeah, that is wild. Um, wild. Another social media check, and we need to talk about the the video we posted on Chatter about 
the French Cup explosion on the pro section. Are you shitting me? Oh my god. Where what <laughs> like there's so much that happened in that one video. Like, it was mind mind boggling. In a matter of a tenth of a second, the whole motor fucking exploded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's people going everywhere. I mean, we need to talk. We need, we need to talk about the guy that caused the whole thing. He fucking whatever comes together with the guy, and I don't even remember what place they're in. They're in the guy they're shit, second the guy or third. Yeah, who caused the yeah the guy who caused the wreck just fucking ejects onto the onto the amateur side, does a quick pump, manuals down the backside like nothing happens, jumps the next jump, and then transfers onto the pro section without a worry. Worry like as in he didn't just kill the six people behind him. Oh yeah, I thought he jumped double manual, like he jumped land double manual while he like got transferred over to the other side. I don't think he did, which is thank God. It's just insane. How do you that casually just get sent off the track, make a casual right turn, nice little manual, hop back onto the pro side, and then just jump the last pro jump? <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, no worries. You just killed the whole moto behind you, and you just absolutely <laughs> dropped a landmine behind you. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Do you think that guy gets relegated? <laughs> like he missed the entire I, pro jump. He's got to get last post. He's got to get relegated. If anybody in the sport deserves to be relegated, it's this motherfucker. He took out the whole rack. <laughs> he took oh out the whole God. moto. When pro section, amateur side, pro section. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, you're going to people, people get relegated for touching the white line. This guy's got to get Oh, it's unbelievable. People got to go watch this video. When I saw it, I burst out laughing. I was like, no way this is real. This is unbelievable. I watched it probably 10 times in a row in disbelief. The fact that the guy in, uh, the guy, there's the guy in fourth place, just like, or I think he was in fifth place. The guy's just like crash in front of him and split as he's going up the lip and he just somehow still makes the jump too. Shocking. It's, it's one of those ones where you watch a few times just to see what happens. And then you watch it like, a bunch more times and you watch someone different every time to see what that individual did every time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's so unreal. And like we were talking about it, there's this one and there's the South Africa junior cruiser in 2010. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, which are both two remarkable, um, remarkable mains to watch. Yeah. Just, just the biggest yard sale explosions of all time. Of all time. They read that. That one in South Africa in 2010, dude, the guy who crashed initially got fucked up. I think he was in the hospital for a month. I think he blew up his pancreas. Holy shit. That's <laughs> I don't think I've ever, I've never heard of someone doing that, like a pancreas. Have you heard of a pancreas injury in BMX? No, I haven't. How would, I don't even understand how, like, I guess you just hit so hard. Something, something ruptures, something does something bad in there, but. Yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure I don't want to, no one quote me because, but that's what I heard, remember hearing was his, his pancreas. Um, I'm sure he's okay now, I would think, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've, you don't hear many, too many pancreas injuries, knock on wood in our sport. No, knock on wood. That's crazy though. No, I know. Very so that was, um, yeah, that was a wild main to watch. That was truly yeah. wild. Speaking of a definition of a yard sale, um, <laughs> I was watching practice at national champs and this little, it was like a mixed practice. This little kid, like really young kid got kind of cut off down the start hill and like ate shit. And he lost as he was crashing, both shoes just like exploded off his feet somehow. I don't know. How oh, they, no. I don't know how they launched so far, but both shoes just off his feet. And I was like, that's a yard sale. <laughs> that's when you lose equipment, oh. that's a yard sale. When you, when you, 
when you lose equipment, it's the perfect <laughs> way to put it. That's a that's a yard sale. Definition of a yard. I mean, I've had some crashes. I just fucking cartwheel my bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bike just goes absolutely cartwheeling, and your bars twist about five times. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yard definition: yard sale. Yard Complete sale. yard sale. Yeah. Complete yard Dude, sale. I saw some saw some kid. He was a younger kid. He was in like six, kind of all alone through the rhythm section in Calgary and his full on OTB face planted into a roller by himself. Oh, no. It was so bad. It was so bad. That's so rough. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. Those are the scariest ones. Like in a rhythm section, when you smoke the next roller, that's when stuff can get bad. Yeah. Cause it happens so quickly and it's just so instant, like of an impact. Just boom. Yeah. 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 That is pretty instant. Um, do you think many of the, do you think many riders are going to go to Turkey at the world cup? Um, I think we've kind of talked about it. I don't really think so. I think no, that there's so going to be a few yeah. people that are going to go for the overall title. So like, I think French people are going to go. I wanted to go personally because it was somewhere new starting to second guess it in my head. Um, just cause it's, I mean, it's the end of the year. I don't think, like you said, a lot of people probably aren't because I think it's one that you could skip and then be better off moving forward next year. Like having the break to, to reset a little more would be better off moving forward than it would trying to get to this one. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And um, also, yeah. with with all the unfortunate things going on in the world right now, I've is it really the place you uh, want to be going? Should I be saying that? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think. Honestly, no. No, and that's what I've kind of heard. I've actually heard people say that too, and a little bit like, dang, that's actually a good point too. As a country, I don't think it's like a super great country to go to. To be honest, in terms yeah. of safety. Yeah, and with there's been a lot of I I haven't been watching the news, but I see things come off on social media, and I don't read them all but it just seems like things in that side of the world there's some other stuff going on too so yeah yeah so i don't know um i don't think it'll be a big one if it goes on i don't think so too uh in other news we got louisville this weekend so back on the big hill for some usa bmx oh, yeah. racing which would be cool to see too yeah the, I, I did forget about that so that will be sweet back on the usa bmx scene um so we got joris up for the title josh mclean and probably corbin i would think I'd say probably Corbin. I think Jay Smooth is um, a contender, but I don't know how his points are compared to those other three. So, yeah, I'm not sure. But I would definitely say those are probably the big three, McLean, Shira, and Dode, yeah. If McLean get a few more, a couple more wins, he'll be, like, legitimately in the hunt. I, I, I mean, he is now. So. He, is, he is now already, but... But very much so. Like, if he gets a couple more, I mean, it's going to be extremely tight going into, uh, going into the Grands. Yeah. Um, that'll be yeah, be really yeah, interesting. Be- All those guys like McLean had a whole shot there there last year, and he's only improved since. We I mean, know Joris is just a special like he is a flat hill assassin. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Good, good, good point. Yeah, it'd be cool to see. I'm looking forward to watching some big hill racing again. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to see yeah. USA BMX. Baby, it feels like we have. I feel like I haven't seen a USA BMX race in a while. It has been a while. Yeah, it's kind of been on pause with all the, the world champs, the Olympics. It's like the, the pro series hasn't really gone on for a little bit. So. It's kind of nice that we're kind of getting back to the roots a little. Back to like normal normal schedule programming. I like when it, it's like a pause. Yeah, it's like we're going to let the pros do their thing on the, in the world scene. Olympics, world champs, let them go do that. It's like, it's like um, in major league sports when they have like their, MB, their all-star break. I was going to say MLB or NBA All-Star breaks. Like, yes. And then they get yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. After, they all, after that little break, they go back to it. And now the hunt's on for the title. Same thing with USA BMX. They had a little summer break. Now they're back for the uh, the title hunt. 
Yeah, back in the title hunt. So, um, should we get to giraffe? Let the people hear from the giraffe now. Let's do it. I think they're going to love it. So, um, enjoy everybody. Just enjoy. Enjoy it, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy, folks. We got giraffe. David Graff, newly retired. Can't believe you're new, newly retired now. Yeah, it was quite funny at the after party in Papendal. There was a guy coming that didn't know us. I was there with Joey Bradford and Liam. And he was like, are you riding to Jory? And he was like, no, I'm not riding anymore. I was in the past. And then he asked Liam and he said the same. And, I was, and then he asked me and I was like, yeah, I'm not riding anymore. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> so, First of all, yeah. where, where was the Papendal after party? At the hotel. Uh, hotel um, Papandale. Standard. Papandale the dugout. In the bar. Yeah, it was good. That sounds standard. It was fun. Well, first were off. You there, were, you the, were, you, were you there the Papandale first? Oh, sorry, James. I was going to say, were you there the first year Papandale when they had the after party in the basement? Not sure if I was at the after party. I, I, I'm pretty sure I was at the first year Papandale, but um, it was quite a messy event there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, they had the after party, James, like in the hotel, like on the bottom floor at the Papandal Hotel. They had to set up like a club in the basement. It was badass. I heard that. I missed, apparently, apparently, I missed that one too. Yeah, that sounds like a bummer. I feel yeah, like I missed all the good yeah, ones. A... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let, me, let me start off by just saying, yeah, huge congratulations, David, on the, uh, the exceptional career, legendary one. What a way to send it off to... I mean, going out in style, a uh, little almost like a fairy tale ending in uh, in Papandal. That was really, really cool to watch. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it was it was quite was quite amazing. I, I mean, I came in and I I I wanted that jersey for sure. Um, but like the season start was really good, and then Tokyo kind of put the hammer on me, and I started questioning myself after the race and. It was a tough. It was a tough two, three week build up to to Papendal to kind of get into the rhythm again. And then, um, yeah, the day was was kind of was kind of weird too. I was, uh, I felt good, and yeah, at the end, I'm happy with a third. Although I I feel like it could it could have gone even better, but that one guy was just so fast there. So yeah, <laughs> I was I wasn't able I wasn't able to hold hold off. Um, even Sylvain in the in the main, he he just wanted it a little bit more over the first jump. So, but yeah, over, overall, I'm really happy with the third. And like you say, it's like a fairy tale ending. When I when I signed up for Papendal, I don't know, I don't, I didn't really know what to expect. So, it was was really cool. Me and James were talking last show. It's cool. The last two World Championships, you had lane one at both with a shot to win. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but you know, I have had lane one in quite some mains, and I didn't win them. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it kind of it, it's a lot of pressure. Like it, it's a lot of pressure being between two fast guys for sure. But if you're in lane one, you need to be in front to have a good lap. Otherwise, it's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, yeah. you, you always you, you can to to get to the main or to to pass for the next round. Lane one is pretty much a safe bet but then to win a race from lane one you have to be faster than everybody so you can't really do anything in the first turn or whatever if you if you're not in front you just you're just stuck yeah and uh yeah, yeah I, i'm quite happy that I, I i made it to to third after that first straight because i almost uh 
went inside of the concrete in the first turn. It was like two centimeters, two centimeters left. And, that, uh, that was so close. Yeah. Relegated. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. There, there's no line anymore. <laughs> but um, it could have been another another seventh place. Uh, pretty pretty quick there. So I'm I'm really happy how the how the lap turned out. The one thing. I was it um go okay t i'm realizing you you said your data was fine it's very delayed i can see it when we're doing this i can see (laughs) it's okay we're just gonna have to work through i mean i can try and figure yeah Yeah, go for it uh this i don't know if this you know i'll go ahead but one of the things that i thought was crazy was going into the final race kind of knowing it was your last one how did that add any extra like pressure or stress to yourself or was it maybe the opposite where it was just almost like um weight off your shoulders you knew you're just going out there for one last one last rip it was different but i i don't think it was different like i had less stress than in in previous mains but i think that's because i've won in verona Mm -hmm. um i don't i don't think it's because it was the last one or whatever so I, i i was able to keep it really calm pretty much the whole day whenever it counted. So I, I kind of, the feelings, like the emotions came up from time to time to <clears throat> where you realize it's going to be the last time here, racing, whatever. And then uh, I was quite okay with, with it the whole day. And then right before the main, Pilar had a, a flat tire. So we were all ready behind, uh, behind the start hill. And then they were like, oh yeah, Arthur has a flat. We, we, we need a couple minutes. So I went back up the hill to the tent and I was uh, waiting in front of the Swiss tent and just the weather started turning around. Like it looked like it could rain any minute. And I looked at the stands and uh, I started kind of realizing it's going to be the last time to send it. And yeah, I, I, I really needed another two, three minutes after that, after that moment to, to get calm again and, and, and go in. Yeah. Did but you find yourself up- get, getting a little emotional? Yeah, right there. Yeah. But it's when I was on the hill, it kind of felt like every other race. Like you say, I've been I've been in lane one so many times, like not not in mains, but but all the other laps. So I, I, I got up the hill. I was joking with the guys and it was fun. And, and yeah, most most people don't respond when I'm joking with the guys behind the hill <laughs> for a main. But, <laughs> but, um, but it was but it was fun. And, and I, I, I was there looking at the stands. Stands were packed. It was uh, it was a really cool atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So I, I was able to put the emotions like aside. And then when I was in lane one, I kind of pulled off a little a little trick that I did all year or like all all my career the last couple of years at least um which made me laugh <laughs> I did always the same thing with uh, with Evans I had so many so many battles in lane one and two with uh, with Kyle Evans over the years so I got ready like you're waiting for the for the camera to come in front of you so I'm I'm lined up right in the middle of my lane mm-hmm. and then uh, Cam Camwood was next to me so I knew he doesn't know what I'm doing. And then and then I'm just waiting until he gets set up and, 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 and clips in, whatever. And then I move to the left, like another 10, 15 centimeters to give myself some more room. And it just made me laugh because I did that so many times before. But with some riders, it didn't work anymore because Sylvain and, and Evans, they always knew. So they all were already lined up to the, to the extreme left in lane two. 
So, so, so it was fun having someone else next to me. And uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about the past, like in that moment, I was just, I was laughing inside and, uh, and got ready for the main. That's, that's so funny. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone doing that in the game before, honestly. Yeah, but the problem is if you, like, like if you stand there all the way to the left or even there's these white lines on the pro gate, and even you could even go more, yeah, <laughs> and you could go even more to the left or to the right, whatever to the inside, <laughs> than that. But when you do that from the get go, the guy next to you realizes it and, and places himself closer to you, so he gets more room between him and lane three. So I started, I started doing that last minute whenever the rider next to me is getting ready and set up, and then the, the other guys kind of, kind of got to know me and, and already set up right on the line and, <laughs> and and when and when i saw cam is in, in lane two because sylvan picked lane three uh, i saw a, a fresh guy in the main he doesn't he doesn't know the he doesn't know what i'm doing up there so i was kind of i was kind of lost inside for sure. this, yeah, this fucking guy is no chloe's new <laughs> <laughs> that's so good that's a good little nuance don't wouldn't it if you okay so i always thought about it though so I've thought about it because I've only ever had the opportunity to probably do that in lane eight, like just move out to the right a little more, make a little room. But if you're trying to cut the guy off, doesn't that just make it further for you to move over to cut the guy off? Yeah, but I'm done with cutting guys off on the hill because it's it, it's messing you up. True. So I, I kind of try to, to get a clean run to the bottom of the hill and then cut them off over the first jump. That's smart. <laughs> that's that's smart. I feel like we've talked about it in the women's like class it. that doesn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, the women's class. Yeah, like we talked about, it, James. They they're cut off so gnarly. Um, was it hard to? Um, did you still feel really hungry coming into the worlds after the Olympics, or how were the? Like you mentioned, it was kind of tough those three weeks. But yeah, was it difficult to stay super motivated coming into the worlds? Or definitely the week right after the Olympics, I was I was way off, like <laughs> off. Yeah. So I I kind of I kind of didn't do anything for the week and drunk a little bit too much beer <laughs> and uh kind of yeah it, it was tough i mean i i got back into into training like two weeks before the worlds so the just one week at home and then one week in Papendal. and i kind of knew my plan is going to pay out like to play out because i've yeah i've done it so many times i i kind of know how many how many sessions i i have to do whatever but yeah, I, I got yeah. back into into training in Stuttgart, and then uh, the guys like Stefan Heil, who I'm training with in Stuttgart, he he destroyed my PB <laughs> or my hill time record in Stuttgart while I was in Tokyo. And then I, I came back and I saw it. I was like, okay, so having one more week to to kind of get the record back, I didn't. And he just <laughs> clicked them off like he was doing five sessions in a row where he beat my previous hill record, and I was like. Damn, what wow. am I doing here? God damn. I was like, <laughs> and I, I, I was pretty fast. I mean, I, I was I was able to to see the, the half lap times, whatever. I'm all I'm all based on times, as you know. So I was uh, I was having a lot of a lot of data in training that showed me I'm I'm okay. Like I'm I'm still I'm still where I need to be. But um yeah, being motivated, I don't know. When I was in Papendal, yeah, I kind of, I kind of got back into that, into that zone where I felt like I need to be. But I, 
just when this, the day started, I kind of started to believe in winning this race. I, for me, it was a lot of, a lot of pressure on myself to, to not go out too early in my last race ever, because, uh, I don't know, I've missed, I've, I've, I haven't missed many finals in the cup in the last couple of years. No, you definitely so don't. <laughs> I, I think I've missed two world cup finals since 2018. Jeez. Nice. And that was that was Rock Hill after Solder where I injured myself. Mm-hmm. Um, after Worlds and Solder. That's crazy. That's a lot. Where was the other? And one? both both in Rock Hill. That was oh, the okay. only. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I I, I made I made the two world finals, uh, the the previous two world finals. I was I was going for medals there and crashed in Solder and I. Devo, Devo slid out in turn two when I was in fourth position in Baku. Right. So I kind of, I kind of was like, yeah, I, I'm going into this race, and I, for myself, I needed to make the final, kind of, because otherwise it would be with in a bad ending for me. Mm-hmm. And then when the day started, my first lap, I got second behind, uh, who was it, French guy? Uh, oh, it's too bad. I'm so bad. Is he a French team guy? We're gonna figure this out. Um, man, <laughs> you, you haven't lost very many first rounds. You haven't lost very Garo. many first rounds. Yeah, but we had we had lane picks, you know, and and not oh, and yeah. like you you pick your you pick your three lanes and not lane one. Yep, sequence stuff. So yeah. I, okay. I I pick I pick seven six one, and then I was in seven, and he was in one. Leo Garayon. Yeah. Okay. And he was and he was quick. So I was behind him the first lap, and I was like, "Okay, ooh, this this day starts not like I not like I used to. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm usually not used to follow too many people um, <laughs> if if my day is going all right." So I was like, "Okay, better get your shit together now." And then in the second second lap, I I from six I got a clean lap and a really good lap time. I think I was like second or third fastest. And as weird as it sounds, but the lap time kind of calmed me so much because i i kind of knew i had the pace mm-hmm. for me it was okay even if the day ended early i kind of inside of myself i was like oh, i'm on pace whatever happens now i'm i'm okay with it so from there on i was yeah it was good i had uh i don't know a couple of fastest lap times or second fastest and whatever so yeah and then and then the day went on and, and i i was kind of relaxed all day yeah okay I'm waiting for T to catch up. There we go. Okay, now he's here. <laughs> I'm here. No, I'm how, here. How was it in the? I'm uh, good. How was how was your? I lap thought in, you were gonna say something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> how was your lap in the final? Because it looked like you got out really clean out of the start, and then like you said, you and Sylvan were probably bar to bar over the the first jump, and maybe edged you out by like a couple inches over the roller or something. How was that? Yeah, I I mean Sylvan, when I watched the replay, he did a pedal after the first jump, like before the roller. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's what made the difference, but it it definitely didn't didn't do bad for him. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem was more Nick that was already in lane four on the first jump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, running he, out of he room really me, quickly. Yeah, but usually he doesn't do that. And he told me like after the race, he told me like he felt the need to cut us off early, <laughs> and uh, and then when he's moving over so hard then Sylvain has to move over hard as well and I'm running out of space so and and I I knew Sylvain all week he he just wanted that one so bad 
And I knew if I'm just going for it, I mean, we were pretty much even on the roller. And even on the lip of the second jump, I was really close, handlebar to handlebar, but I, w I knew he's not pulling back. Mm -hmm. And we've had some races like that before, like we, we crashed together in the main in Paris one, one year. Yeah. And it's just, usually I'm the guy who's not pulling, like not, not pulling back in, in situations like that. But there I kind of felt like I need to because it wouldn't end well. And I'm really happy how it turned out at the end. It could have, it could have been a really shitty lap riding behind the whole pack again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no kidding. What was what what was the uh like after the fact when you cross the line and everything, you realize you meddled, like what was that whole experience like just realizing you meddled at your last race and then I'm sure a lot of people were congratulating you and everything on your career and stuff. How special was that? Yeah, it definitely was really special. I mean, I, I rolled pretty much straight to the start hill again, so I didn't break. I was kind of by myself for a couple of seconds at least. And it was tough to it. It was tough to realize. I mean, I haven't. I have done so many mains, but not too many podiums. I think I don't know six or seven podiums total. So, yeah, it was. It was kind of. It was. It was a big relief. Not just. Not just the, the medal or the the result, but also that it's over. You know, it's uh, if you if you call it your last race. I mean one and a half years ago, pretty much. I mean, I, I called my last race in Tokyo last year. And then whenever that, that went down, um, I, I said, I'm, I'm going until Tokyo 2021. And then the world's after will be my last race. So it was a, an early call. And, and, and at one point you're just relieved that it's over and that you're yeah. in one piece and that you did what you needed to do and what you wanted to do. And I think I would have been really happy even if I would not be on the podium in that main, but for sure it was just a, a 10x emotion when you cross the line behind these two. That's also one of the things, you know. I mean, a podium is one thing, but a podium with Nick and Sylvain at the Worlds is something that's pretty special. Yeah, I've I've crossed the line in Papendal in 2016 behind Maris. That was something really special to me as well, and. Yeah, it matters who who is on that box with you. It's like, and and yeah, yeah, yeah that that box and that podium. Sure, I would have liked to be in second or first, whatever. But the podium was really cool to be on. Yeah, I feel like those are two guys you've battled with a lot throughout your your career because you guys, you three, have been kind of at the front, always battling for podiums and wins all the time. So it's cool that you guys were able to kind of see that off, kind of again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they they haven't missed much more mains than I did in the last couple of years. So we, <laughs> there there is a bunch of riders that was so consistent over these couple of years. And since 2017, like, yeah, 2017 was a was a rough year for me, but I didn't race much. But then 2018 until now, 2021, I, it was it was amazing for myself. Just. The consistency and it didn't even feel like i did something special i just did my my races my laps and then you kind of feel like wow i'm so good i'm doing all the mains and then you look around you and it's always the same guy so they do the same thing <laughs> it's like kind of weird yeah and uh yeah it was a, just a group yeah. of riders that was so good at getting into that main and then there were just a couple of them that were way better than me to get on the box and win them so yeah 
<laughs> when, when did you make your first World Cup main? You know that, Tori? London. Yes. London, 2011. <laughs> but it was such a different main, you know? I didn't, like, I did a humanist yeah, yeah. race pretty much, so I let the gate drop and <laughs> rode behind the pack and just did a... Uh, because you, you, remember, you remember in London, the test event in London, we had a split first straight. Mm-hmm. So if you're it in lane so eight, fucking, so fucking sketchy. <laughs> yeah, so if, you, if, you're, if you're in lane eight, you have no first straight after the second jump. Dude, yeah, so, it's crazy. Yeah. I remember in like the quarter, the like quarter one round. I think I was in lane six or something, and I was looked ahead and I was just pointing at the women's turn. I was like, <laughs> oh boy, I need to get across. <laughs> yeah, so so I did. I, and we had direct elimination because of the rain and the, the delays and whatever. So we didn't do much. Yeah, yeah. We did one lap. So I did a I did a gate in the one eight and got fourth I think, and then I had late late gate pick, and from there on I didn't do a start anymore. I just rolled out of the gate and went behind everybody and did some laps <laughs> and then got in the main and I was I was just rolling behind everyone and and they like the probably the the most amazing main in BMX history that went down in that lap and I was just watching it from the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I remember though like even after that like 2015 like one of the things I we talked about it before when we had you on like two years ago but 2015 like you really stepped up into a top guy like what what was the main thing you think or what did you I don't know do you have a change in kind of approach or anything like what what changed that year for you yeah I think I said it back then it was I'm pretty sure the the best thing that was happening to me was not making the Olympics in 2012. So I I kind of met the criteria in 2011 with that main, but I didn't do anything else than a lucky the lucky punch at the test event. And then I didn't get selected for the for the London Games, and Roger Roger was sent, and I was alternate. And this triggered me to to a point where I felt like that's not enough what I'm doing. And and then Roger became national national coach, and then he was like the first, and we knew each other. I mean, I grew up with him he, in the same club. He was my coach as a little kid, and like took me to to different tracks and whatever. And then we were competitors, and Roger was quite a tough competitor. He was always keeping everything to himself. He didn't really share much when he was still on on like on the scene. And I remember the first day where he was a coach and he talked to me, he was like, yeah, I never understood what the previous coach saw in you. You know, like the potential, he never saw it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, it's like, kinda, it was a, like, was a tough, was a tough, uh, a tough saying, you know? And then, and then he was like, you know, your previous coach, he always believed in you and whatever, but I don't know what he saw in you. Because you're overweight, you're not taking this stuff serious. You're like, and that was there, like, okay, shit, <laughs> and 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 it hurts, in a way, because I knew inside that he's correct, you know. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, you would kind of be like, oh, what the fuck, like, don't don't mess with me, whatever. But he he was he was right, and and that's and that's what hit hard, and then I kind of I kind of changed my diet. I lost I lost quite a bit of fat. <laughs> during that winter <laughs> and uh started training started training just more focus more 
like I until then I was training with pH mm-hmm. and I was just getting the plan and I, I did what was written on the plan but I never thought about anything I did I was just doing it and then I changed to making my own plans and just Roger overviewing the stuff which made me think a lot more and, and just and just try to figure out what I need and yeah, it kind of it kind of worked out. I, I got a lot faster in a really short period of time, and then I felt pretty good and went to Auckland, New Zealand. I mean, I was still far away from the top guys, but I made a big step in the right direction. And then I broke my heel in New Zealand. Oh fuck! Which uh, yeah was pretty much a career-ending. Like <laughs> it was was really close to career-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Uh, like it was not just a crack in the heel. I had like 23 screws in my heel after that. Shit. I didn't know about that. So, so I had a, like a shattered heel all over. Like everything was in pieces. Jeez. And took me like nine months to recover, to just start walking again and, and riding a little bit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I got back on the bike in 20, what was that? 2014, like 2013 was Auckland. And then 2014 got back on the bike. First race broke my collarbone at the Swiss National Race. Like, oh, fuck. fuck me. <laughs> it was like, oh, no. And then, yeah, 2014 was kind of rough, just just with Rotterdam and getting back into it, whatever. And then, but, but my physical, like the physical preparation I did still paid off. I, I, I was still faster than I was before my change, whatever. And then, yeah. 2014 to 2015 was pretty much my first winter that I was able to train fully, like no, no injuries, no problems, just, just training and, and follow the plan. Mm-hmm. And then went into 24, uh, 2015 and I was doing really well, like really good in Papendal was the first weekend I was in the semi and then I crashed in the semi because Dino just run me over on the first jump. I was like trying to cut him off, and he he, he didn't he didn't uh, he, he he didn't want that. Like he, he was not ready to get cut off from me. He's a brick shit so, house. Uh, he was just running through me, like from behind, through my elbow over the first jump, and he was gone, and I was laying there, and got knocked out pretty good, and then just made it back for Baku. Like mm-hmm. Baku was the next race, the European uh, Games, mm-hmm. and I mean, I I knew in Papendal I've seen that my level like stepped up big time. So I was kind of I was kind of motivated and, and and confident for Baku, and then I I got my my first big result there, and that was probably the biggest relief I've ever had, I've ever felt. I was I was in tears for for quite some time. Yeah. Um, even though it was a, a, a like a weird event, I mean it was pretty much a one-off, and no one really cared. But the most of the big guys were there. There was a lot the, of top, like the all the top Euros were there. It seemed like. Yeah, the Brits yeah. were not coming. And I mean, it's but still a big, that, big kind of everyone. games in general, too. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that it made all that pain I had the two, three years before that like worth it. And yeah, from there on, it was. It was just a different, a different approach to racing. So I went to, I went to Solder Worlds, and then I think most, most of us know, know what happened there. It was quite an exciting main event, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and, and 
for most people, it was a big surprise. And what happened in Zolder? For me too, for sure. I wasn't I wasn't expecting to be in the lead in a world's main. But I knew I I've made the steps needed to get there. And then yeah, it took me like 2016. I kind of I kind of got closer to this to to the to the top guys, like every every aspect of the of the racing like my starts everything was better and closer but i was just not feeling confident to <laughs> i was like what's going on and that's like, what's happening no it's like we've got some behind the scenes action going on right now with giraffe i'm getting kicked out of his hotel <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Don't worry, GR. We're still we all here. Good over there, pal. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. I can cut this out. Let me just. I'll cut this out. Twenty-eight uh, minutes. I'm writing down times now. Twenty-eight minutes. Cut. <laughs> One second. <laughs> right, yeah. Time stamped. I'm stamped. Like I said, you I'm. Man, me? I was. That was a. That was a fascinating story. Holy shit! I was captivated. I know. Yeah, we can hear you, Giraffe. We just can't see you. Okay, sorry. You, you know, I'm I'm on vacation and I'm 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 disturbing my girlfriend. Like it's my my second last night here with my girlfriend. So she she's uh, sitting on the couch and wanted to connect her headphones to the to the computer to Netflix. Oh, and uh, I connected to my phone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Say sorry to your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we apologize. Yeah. It's a big it's a big deal though. You're it's kind of our it's kind of our fault. It's kind of our fault, you know. <laughs> it's a family. It's a family. It's a family event here. Oh, the dog's badass! <laughs> Look at him, so cute. Yeah. Well, um, where was I? Yeah, I was. I was just not. I was not ready, confident to be in that top tier group mm -hmm. and to be seen there. Kind of, it was too stressful for me. It's in a race, and then in Rio. I got second in the time trial and uh, kind of everyone was talking about it. I got second at the World Cup before Rio mm -hmm. and it was a lot of pressure on myself for not being confident in that situation. And then yeah, I kind of fucked it up big time there. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the way to like 2016 and then 2017 was the year after the Olympics. I wasn't racing too much. Um, missed the world's main there and then from 2018 things clicked like just another gear yeah and i felt confident in my in my position in my role i think grant grant white had a big impact on that as well um just having someone that has like the the experience with riders on that level um next to you was was nice was nice to like he expected that from me you know, all the other Swiss people pretty much were hyped when I was in a semi main and he was kind of like, yeah, for him, it's just winning. We, although we never won together, but, but for him, it was, he wanted to have a win with yeah, me. Yeah. And, and that was just a different mindset. Is that, is that kind of who helped that makes you? A, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of who helped Sorry, Jen, you? I was start... going to add on just to yours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, lag. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, is that kind of who helped you transition into feeling comfortable in that role? Because like you talked about, yeah, like not feeling comfortable, but then he's somebody who kind of expected it. How did you end up 
to start being comfortable being one of those top guys? Because that's kind of who you've ended up being is you've been very comfortable always being in the main, always being in the mix. Yeah, I got very comfortable until I was in the main. <laughs> Let's say like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's him and and also just the, the years. I mean, I, I got in I got into that group in twenty fifteen, kinda put my put my foot in the doorstep like into the door and then twenty sixteen was all right and then twenty seventeen I was still kinda on and off. But there was three seasons where I was on the level of the top guys. Mm-hmm. So at one point, you kind of start believing and you, like, if you have a quarter that looks more like a main, you're kind of not guessing yourself. You're like, okay, you do that. Yeah. Here <laughs> so we go. We it got makes, it. it. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, sure. there were some races where, like, in Paris one year, I remember I was in the quarter and I looked at the heat and I was like, God damn. I'm happy that I'm in lane one here <laughs> because because he could have easily been a main and and you know stuff like that like if you if you just if you're just new to that level of racing it messes you up you're mm-hmm. kind of like oh no I'm not belong here I, I don't know what do I do here how how should I pass this round whatever and then as as soon as you kind of grow into it you 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 accept it and and it's okay yeah. Go for it, T. Yeah, I think when when you when you first like when that first happens, you can look at the other like seven other guys, be like shit, they could all make it through. But then after a while, like you don't even really look who's in it. You just kind of check your lane choice and just go for it, and it's just business as usual. Yeah, true. And it's funny because there's always some fresh guys in that in that heat that are scared. And you know, for example, White Kai White. I remember, I remember he was. I think he was a semi in Baku or quarters. One of the, one of the one of the rounds before the main and, and we were behind the hill on this on the on the ramp to the to the eight meter and he looks around and sees all all the guys in his heat and he's like what the fuck am i doing here <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah we've all been there Kai, no worries it's okay <laughs> and uh yeah uh. it's and 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 it's nice it's nice to overcome this this step because it's a big step it it needs it needs a lot of it needs a lot of races to get to that that get that confidence to just don't care about a quarterfinal you know yeah 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 i think just getting used to that level and having being normal for sure um what's something that like obviously you've accomplished a lot of your career no question anything specific that you obviously wish you maybe would have done that you didn't what's the what's the most what's the highest thing that you wish you would have done or wish you would have accomplished i should say <laughs> i don't know i wish i would have had a little bit more a little bit more juice in my legs after the second turn in zolder at the worlds where i where i pushed uh, sam over the turn i was mm-hmm. in the lead and i was just not like my legs were done so I was getting out of the turn. My pedals were like not accelerating at all. And I was like, okay, let's see. <laughs> and then Nick flew by me. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, shit. I'm in second. Just keep it together. And then on the line, Yele flew by me. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> God <laughs> so, damn it. <laughs> but, but, um, what, I, what, I w- what I would have changed in my career, what I would have liked is like, not getting selected for big races earlier. Maybe it would have helped me to change my mindset earlier because 
Yeah, I mean, mm. I was, I don't know, 25, I think 25, when I, when I kind of started getting fast. And the fun, like the, the thing is with the other guys that are racing with me now or were racing with me like the last two or three years, they were all the best guys in the world when they were 19, you know, like your age group, Tori. <clears throat> yeah. And they were just used to that and, and never, they, they've never been like in a situation where they were really bad, you know, but I've, I mean, I have like four years where I've not made a quarter. Mm-hmm. Like I was four years straight where I went out in one eight. <laughs> so, so to, yeah. and I'm kind of proud of myself to get out that I got out of this situation. But at the same time, I wish I wish I would have changed earlier because uh, having having a couple more years on the level I am now would have been great. But uh, yeah, that's fair. It is it is something I think yeah I could probably look back on and be a little bummed it didn't happen earlier. But it's also one of the things I think that's made you so um, special or so much looked up to by people now is that you have been able to change that. Because like you said, I mean. It's hard. It's hard to come out of a hole like that where it's been years and years of not accomplishing what you want, and then have to. I think Tori said it before. Like, have to completely flip the script and do something different to change who you are. Basically, that's that's tough to do for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's definitely it's a difference between like when when some of the other top guys they have rough years. I mean, Connor had some years where he struggled big time. Um, Sylvain had some years where he was not. Like he was not in the main for a while, and even Joris had had rough years, you know. Mm-hmm. But but they were the best in the world before that, so they kind of knew how it works. But I've never been there, so I I didn't know if I can get there. And I think I think that's the that's the part that was that was hard to overcome. I was I was pretty good as a kid in challenge races. I mean I from like seven till 16 years old i've made all the european championship mains um until no from seven till 14 and then i made my first world's challenge main when i was 15 in uh, paris and then another main in falkensward when i was boy 16. so I was I was okay. I was pretty good as a kid, but I was never a starter. But even back then, I was just riding the pack and 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 the track pretty well. And then my junior years were really bad, and my first couple of elite years as well. So I've never really got into that world's best group. Mm-hmm. And then to to overcome that situation, that was that was something that is looking back on it. That's pretty cool. That's pretty special for me. Yeah, no doubt. And it's impressive that you're able to do it in your mid twenties. Like it's hard to change anything once we kind of get into our groove of being pro in our sport, but to do it in your, when you're in your mid twenties is impressive because it's, yeah, like it's hard to kind of reinvent yourself later in your career. Yeah. Well, I've, I've never really struggled with that. I like to reinvent myself. Sure. That, that step was a big step. So it took me a long time, but even the last couple of years, I'm, I'm quite black and white. So if I if I want to do something, I kind of switch 180 degrees. Um, yeah, for example, 20, 2018, I gave my whole training to Grant. Mm-hmm. Grant took over the whole planning, so I, I followed his his plan, and it worked all right. But I didn't get fast. Like I'm not 
I didn't go faster. So I was, I was just kind of on the same level at the end of the year as I was before, which to me was not enough. And then I said to Grant, I'm taking over myself again. I'm doing it myself again. So I did 2018 fall wintertime normal normal training like I would have done other years just planning myself and it kind of felt wrong and then I started researching and stuff and I found some other training method and then in January 2019 I just flipped 180 degrees I've not done a gym session anymore I've like stuff stuff really weird like a big risk as well like two years or uh, one and a half years before the Olympics but I kind of felt like if I want to try that, I need to try it now because I am running out of time. Mm-hmm. I already knew I'm going to I'm going to retire after the games, so I kind of put everything into it. Like January tra- January 2019, I changed the program to something. I don't know if anyone has done that in in our sport. How I trained the last couple, like the last three years, and uh, and it worked out great. So I. I kind of liked that aspect of just going all in on one thing and see how it comes out. I'm extremely intrigued right now what you did. <laughs> I don't know if you want to let it on the pod. You're a coach now. That might be a secret. But I'm like, I'm like really curious now because I've always, I love well, when people can find things that's not common and make it work. Well, I can tell you some like some things. It's coming from a hammer throw coach. <laughs> so, so it's that's uh, unique. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I based my whole my whole training system on a hammer throw coach and a hammer throw program, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh. and yeah, I I pretty much like at at peak times I did ten BMX sessions a week. Ten. Um, ten a week. I've I've not done I've not done a standalone gym session the last three years. Uh, <laughs> you mean standalone, yeah. like just so, a gym session? Like, like if you do a gym, it's yeah, at the track. No, with... I haven't been. I haven't been at the normal gym and done a gym session that is longer than forty minutes in yeah three years. Love it. Are you listening to this Fucking guy? T, it. are you kidding Fucking me? Love it. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, it's, and, honestly, no. It's I think it's more of a track and field approach. Like I, yeah, I've read some stuff on that kind of type of training too. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's. I mean, it paid out. It doesn't mean that this is the system for everyone or for everything. At the end of the day, it could also be just a change that worked out, you know, just changing the whole system that made an impact on your body and on the, on, on your system to, to get a new adaption. But, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a big risk. I mean, imagine Grant, <laughs> what, what, what he was like, I told him the whole plan and he was like, uh-huh. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Just, just try. <laughs> and, and I could tell he's really not, he's really not into it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a diff- like, it's a, it was a totally different approach at the end. And I'm really glad I, I did it. And I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do it because find a place where you have people to ride with 10 times a week. It's uh, not that easy. So I'm really happy. 10 I'm times really a happy. week. Yeah. yeah, five days, two sessions a day. Um, yeah, so I'm really happy that Stuttgart uh, like was open to have me 
um, have me there, gave me full access to whatever I needed. And uh, I had a lot of people to ride with and, and they, they joined my training program. Um, some of them did, some of them didn't, and yeah, it was it was really fun the last the last couple of year, uh, years. <laughs> Tori, I think this is my I need to do this. You know what? Just get to ride the track like all these days. You don't have to go to the gym. Just like just to go to the gym, like sounds fantastic. You know, you know the thing is, when <laughs> sounds I, pretty good. Yeah. For me, for me, one of the big reasons I did that was I had. Like I'm always, I've always collected a lot of data, but not, uh, not, not like I do now. Like back in the days, it was just dark times with the Browers, um, which, yeah, it, it's, it's reliable, but not like not perfect because yeah. you, you put them on and it's always a little different, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the weather plays a big role and to, to judge your training system on a, on start times, you, you really be, you really need to be on top of your game with it because otherwise you kind of get lost in it true and i had my my hill time pb on a normal hill on my home track for like two years and i couldn't beat it and i had a squat 1rm of like 140 back then 140 kilogram okay and then i got so much stronger and I was never really strong. I, I got like to a one RM of like 182. Mm-hmm. I think that's my all time squat one RM PR. And I was not faster. Like I couldn't beat that time. So for me, that was like, okay, what am I, what am I doing here? And yeah, it's something, I think our sport is still in the early stages of, of training development stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are just doing what the previous previous guys have done. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt the need to break out of it. So I kind of, yeah, I was searching in other, in other disciplines to, yeah, to see what, what they are doing. And then I found pretty much the most successful coach in history. And he was from the Soviet Union. So everyone alleged his, his uh, success to, to the doping program probably. But if you're winning so much with your program, <laughs> it's not just a sauce. It must be. It must be something else that worked. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I tried that. Good for you. I really like the approach of trying something new and thinking outside the box and being like, okay, well, this isn't working. Like we need to change it. A lot of people are scared to change at some points in their career, and I probably was at some certain points too. But I really admire that about you that you, you find like you're not just okay with the status quo you're going to change something until you find something that works i think it's awesome yeah i mean you have to you know the thing is totally everyone is totally getting, everyone is getting faster and 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 if you and if you're happy with being on the same if if you're happy keeping your hill time record for two seasons you're in the wrong you're in the wrong spot yeah like it's it, it there is no there is no reason for it and sure like some some moments or some some yeah periods of time i might have thought like well maybe it was just i was just younger and better and whatever but then now looking back i've i've never been this fast and i'm turning 32 in a week so i progressed pretty much throughout my whole career um, on pretty much every aspect, like track times, hill times, not in the gym though. <laughs> I went down big time in the gym. 
I've never done bench press in my whole life. It's a good thing and, you don't uh, race in the gym, though. You're not racing in the gym. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I might, I might uh, do some bench. I, I, I promise my girlfriend I, I'll do some bench press in my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just not, it was nothing I, I, I cared about, and, and it just showed me. Looking back, it just showed me it was not the age. It was just the, I stalled out with the program I did. The my, my body, my brain didn't do any adaptation anymore yeah and and yeah that's what i mean like maybe it was not the program i did maybe it was just a change maybe i could have gone faster with going to do road rides like the dutchies or doing whatever a powerlifting approach or <laughs> yeah you know just i mean just having having a new having a new system and and change completely from what you've done for many years has an effect and some uh, totally. some some change has a smaller effect most mostly it has a positive effect some a, li a little less and some really a big one and and mine worked out great so far so until until yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. honestly sometimes i think just the change is a big part of it like i worked with ph for seven years and after the 2016 games after that year i started doing a lot of my own training working with our nash team strength coach um, and the training probably wasn't vastly different. It was probably a bit different, but I think just a fresh outlook and just having a bit more control over what you're doing or like just something new to get up and be excited about is huge is a huge part of it too, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it makes it fun again. I mean, now I don't yeah, know totally. if I could, I don't know if I could continue like this for another four years going, going to the track this often to the same track every day because it's, it's a rough like we, we yeah, don't what the have fuck california. would you do like I'd, would you run out of stuff to do <laughs> we, we don't have californian weather here in stuttgart either so you, you do 10 sessions a week with uh, snow and rain and cold and having the electric heater on the hill and so it was oh like, yeah you have to commit to that it would have been nice to go to the gym you know <laughs> summer warm and dry to be <laughs> it's shocking though man that's it, it, I got mind blown right now because I like, I've always thought about like what are the different ways, but I've never heard of anyone mind doing blown. it different than the system. Like, we know there's different I ways know. to train, and like, but we always <laughs> talk about like everyone does the same shit. This is finally something I hear that someone did something different and they made it work. And like I you knew, said, I'm always, I was always laughing when I was listening to the podcast because you could tell you're always so eager to know what people are yeah. doing. Yeah, you I am. You kind of, you kind of, you kind of try to grab every little bit out of them, and then Hell it's yeah, always I just the same <laughs> as, yeah. all, as, as you already do. And then you always came up with the conclusion: ah, there is Fuck nothing it. special, nothing different. Everyone does the same thing. And I was in Stuttgart, sitting on the hill, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> "It's not special, but I'm not doing the same thing." <laughs> this motherfucker here doesn't know shit about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fun listening to that stuff, and I. Yeah, I I'm, I don't, I mean, I, I don't share everything, but I don't really mind sharing stuff because at the end, you still need to do it. You still like, at the end, the best, the best guys win, you know, whatever. Sylvain, it was fun this year. I had Sylvain over at my place after Verona um, to train a couple of days and and he just joined my program pretty much. He wrote the, the track like, he, and he did gym sessions next to it. So he, he kind of had a, a big week of training. 
He had a big week of training, let me tell you that. <laughs> and classic and Sylvan. And it was it was so fun to to do to to see what he does and 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 to show him what I'm doing because I knew it doesn't change much. He's not going home and takes over my system until the games or whatever and I'm done after so I don't really care. And uh and then I had Tore Navarstad over or he, he was in Stuttgart uh, for Tokyo prep. And I crashed the first session we had together and got injured and missed the whole week. So uh, we didn't really ride together, but it was, it was, it was still fun to see, like he, he saw what we are doing there. And, and, and I, I had him over for dinner one night and we were talking quite open because he was retiring. I'm retiring. So we, no secrets anymore. Interesting. What what secrets did you get yeah. from him? Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not retiring. I'm not retiring over here. I need some secrets. Come on. There we go again. <laughs> you don't think I have this podcast to not get information? That's why we started this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> you I come on this show, James. Like you come on, you come on my show. You got to tell me what kind of training you're doing. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can handle Sebastian Carfield's program, though. No, his is fucking gnarly. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. The the Norwegians, like they got it got a little better, but he's definitely on the other spectrum because he wasn't, he didn't have a big group to ride with, and and so he had uh, a lot less track sessions than I did, a lot more gym work, a lot more, um, yeah, accessory work. But uh, yeah, Sebastian and, and the Norwegians back in the days, they, they trained so hard and so much. And even now he, yeah, he, he thinks in a different way. He approached, like he's, he's, he's a little bit like I am, I guess. He's trying out so much. I mean, last year, I, I don't know, I've, I've posted it on social media once where I did, uh, I tried to do as many starts on the Supercross Hill back to back as possible so i did uh i think seven no 12 starts no 17 starts in 12 minutes That's a and lot. the times didn't drop it's crazy you know so i got faster towards the end heart rate 180 couldn't really see the the, the lights anymore <laughs> was sweating like hell and on the Essex, not on a normal hill, so it was it was getting a little dangerous. So I stopped there, <laughs> but the times were getting faster. You know, I, I thought I'm 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 stopping when the times fall apart, so they didn't. And then Sebastian came like talk, talk to me on on the on the DMs, and he was like, "Yeah, I tried that. I did 50 meter sprints on the flat for <laughs> I don't know how many." You know, like you can imagine Sebastian doing Sebastian doing fifty meter sprints on the flat back to back, like going in one direction, turn around, going in the next direction, turn around, just like that. And the times didn't drop. So, <laughs> so you could imagine what they what they are uh, doing in training. I That's guess. crazy. <laughs> fifty meters is long. That's what I do for my lactic. <laughs> fifty meters is pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is there is uh, some different approaches. I mean, you have to think out of the box if you. If you not have the talent pool like the Americans, for example, have, where you have like forty thousand licensed kids in the states racing BMX, yeah. and and I think mm -hmm. we're doing something right here in Switzerland because we have like ten guys that have raced elite 
and five of them are really good. We had four in the semi, and Renault was not one of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think something something's working. They're not they're not all on my program for sure. It's just Cedric doing stuff that I'm planning for him. But um, but yeah, it's you you need to think out of the box if you don't have the capacity of just just having enough riders and one of them will make it. And yeah. that's yeah. what Sebastian that was Sebastian realized as well. So he had one athlete, and that one athlete made a semi at the Olympics. <laughs> so, yeah. Quick commercial break to give a shout out to one of our sponsors of the show, Motosheets.com. Guys, if you need a timing and scoring system for your track, we've said it before and we're going to say it again. Go check out Motosheets.com. Every track nowadays has a, uh, you know, is looking to get a timing system. In the, in, the, in the track, you know, let the kids improve, watch your improvement. They also, you're going to have races coming up. You need a scoring system. Where do you go for that, T? Motorsheets.com, baby. Where else? Get yours today. Get yours today, baby. Go check them out, and uh, thanks for supporting the show. Getting back to you a bit, David, like I'm curious, looking back in your career, what, what would you, uh, if you give yourself advice when you maybe first turn pro, what would you tell yourself as a younger rider? enjoy but don't enjoy too much just try try to not be happy with with the lifestyle too much like i did back in the days just enjoying being um being a bmx rider not working (laughs) (laughs) um yeah just just try to light that fire of wanting to achieve more and and keep it burning for as long as possible. That's I like it. Yeah, that's some solid info. Right? That's some solid advice right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't be because satisfied as soon. Yeah. yeah, don't be satisfied as soon as soon as as the fire of like the, the drive I had to the day I won Verona was just incredible. Mm-hmm. In like for myself, it was such a big thing on my list to do in my life. I don't think I would have been happy with my with my career without the win. And, yeah. and then, then it worked out at the last possible chance, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, the drive I had to that day was something really special to experience for, for myself. And I have to be honest, I kind of lost it after. So I I was, I was searching that or was, I was, I was looking for that achievement for so long now Mm -hmm. that I kind of, I kind of fell into, like, I wasn't, I wasn't too satisfied. I I still had Tokyo like high on my priorities list, whatever, but it was not the same fire as I had before winning the world cup in Verona. And Yeah. And for sure, it wasn't the same for for the worlds in Papendal, but I, it it just worked out to to get on the box. But yeah, that that fire is so important, and and look for baby steps. You know, keep the fire burning with small steps. Don't don't just tell yourself <laughs> you want to win the World Cup, because it's so many steps until you get there. I can tell you, it's a lot of mains. Yeah. <laughs> Not for yeah. everyone. Simon did it in his first yeah. one, but, but most people, most people need quite a few mains to to do that, and and to get in a few mains, you need you need a, a lot of semis, 
and uh yeah just get baby baby steps like do set small goals and and keep it burning did that hurt you going to the yeah. olympics at all do you think no no i think i think i was really ready and then that crash a couple of weeks before kind of set me off just a little bit but at the end i was ready i was fast the last day the last day i had like i did a i did a track session thursday morning and i flew out to tokyo thursday night and thursday morning i did my best ever start start hill time in stuttgart so i was ready and i was fast on the track whatever and then tokyo I was I was feeling good. I was fast in practice, but I just couldn't handle the second jump. And then I, in warm up for the first day, I over jumped it and and got bottomed out and crashed. And from that point on, I wasn't I wasn't able to commit one hundred percent anymore. And it showed in my starts, in my commitment over the first jump. Because I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready to go full speed onto that second jump. Because I didn't know what to do different than when I crashed. I I didn't feel like I've done something wrong. Yeah. And then when you when you don't do something wrong in your mind, and then you have to risk one hundred percent. And I could have I could have died there pretty much if I wouldn't have yeah. landed on both wheels. Yeah. Like nose heavy into that next slip, I would have been pretty bad. So I wasn't, I was just mentally not ready anymore to do that because I, I didn't know what to do, what to change on that jump, what to do differently. So at the end, it just messed with me and I couldn't really put it together. So I wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the missing fire or the missing commitment before the games. It was pretty much that second lip that fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, fair. That, yeah. That was not a fun one. Like, I don't think, um, I was in the same boat as you, but I also like agree. Like, it was once you were uncomfortable with a couple of those lips, it was hard to find anything different to make it better. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I, sometimes I was hitting it good and then all of a sudden I was going five or six meters too long. Yeah. Like, okay, no. And usually, I mean, I'm not the best one at kicky lips, but usually I'm, I'm quite okay. I mean, Pappendahl berm jump, for example, I was probably one of the guys that hit it better than others. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what, what, what the problem really was in Tokyo, but it was just something I couldn't handle. And I think most of us couldn't. I think there were pretty much just Nick, Kai, and Joris mm -hmm. that could really handle the second jump. And all the other guys risked a lot. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it played out. And and I I didn't even feel like I've risked a lot in that warm up, but I just overjumped it so bad that I I couldn't risk it anymore after. Was it like Rio's second jump, David, or was it worse? No, way worse. Okay. No. It was that's, Rio that, was that's just saying too something. small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Rio was just too small. But it was a predictable lip. Yeah, you know? yeah so totally. You, you, you go you go full speed and you you know you're probably going too long on the jump, but it's predictable. It's kind of like it shoots you in a way that you expect. <laughs> but Tokyo was, first of all, the leap was different all, all over the place. Mm -hmm. So you kind of had to know where you're riding. And, and it was so high and 
and had a transition like at the bottom and then just a wall in front of you. And in first practice, they had a coping on top of it, like, like fucking skateboard coping. It sounds, it sounds yeah, awful. It was, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I, I really, I really, so I don't have to get started on this one, but I don't know how it, how it can happen. Do you want to... That, uh, well, it's fucking, honestly, it's fucking so disappointing. You show up to an Olympic track and that's a jump on the first straight. Like it's yeah. straight up. Do you want to know what sucks too? Yeah. Is the very first time I when I went there and was it 2019 earlier in that year, the jump was the best jump on the track. It was just, it was large. So a few of the girls that were there at the current time with the softness of the track, then it was big for them to jump, but it was the best slip, the best jump on the track. Like it was a nice big ass double kind of step up double. It was great. And that's what got switched. Yeah, dude, I, 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 I don't know. It's something, it's really, it's really from another world that a track builder doesn't see that. I mean, yeah. when, when all the riders do track walk and all the riders within like five seconds walking the track know this lip is not going to work. And then, oh, the jump into the second turn is probably not going to work either. <laughs> how, how, does he, how does he not it's see that shit? It's, outra it's outrageous. How, like, how can you how can you stay there and build a track and spend so much time and then the riders are coming and pretty much everyone hates your work it must be so unsatisfying yeah you know i don't know i don't, I don't know. understand how they do this with an olympics just do the same thing we've done for the last 4 years of prep until this point <laughs> yeah but i've built i've built bmx tracks before and and i talked to corbin at the at the games as well and and we were we were sure that if we would have been allowed, we would have been able to change it with the team managers and stuff. But they were just like, no, nah, it's like 10 centimeters of concrete. We don't have the machines. We don't do it. Like, okay, but you guys see that it looks like shit and we all hate it. Yeah. And then Thomas, apparently at the team managers meeting, he said he doesn't see a problem. So I really doubt his like, yeah, whatever. He always built weird tracks, and and I like him as a person, but as a they are the tracks. It's, it's I gotta say, the the tracks are all, that he builds are typically pretty weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, but usually they're yeah, re yeah. usually they're really mellow. I don't know what he changed. <laughs> what he changed this time? Oh, we're gonna soup this yeah. puppy up. Well, these guys are in for a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. At, at the end, at the end, the best guy won, and I'm I'm quite confident in saying that it didn't matter what second jump they put in front of us. Nick would have probably won. And then with the story, with his kneecap and everything, I think he deserves it even more. So at the end of, of it, it, it played out well. No, no major crashes on that jump. Um, nothing, nothing happened too serious. And uh, yeah, we, get, we got out with a blue eye again with our sport, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, David, what do you, so you're going to be, um, looking forward, like you plan on being the Swiss, Swiss national team coach, but what else do you, uh, do you look forward to doing now that you're retired, maybe in the sport, out of the sport, whatever. Well, in the sport, my role is probably pretty clear. I, I'd like to get the guys that I have to the next level and make them more successful than I was. Um, maybe have a little more influence I will, I will probably i will probably be a bad a bad person for the uci because i'm always coming up with critics <laughs> um but i have some ideas as well it's from time to time 
Um, outside of the sport, well, I'm I'm here on vacation with my girlfriend and the dog now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, we've been together for eleven years, and it's our third vacation. And one of them was with crutches <laughs> because I was just injured. So she's quite happy that I uh, that I that I'm. She's sad that I'm retiring, but she's also happy to have a little bit more of a normal life, to have a possibility to go out for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, because until now, I've I've pretty much committed 100% to it. I'm, yeah, like whatever whatever disturbed the next day, and that was like little little disturbances were already too much. So yeah, I will, we were not doing much the past couple of years. So she. She's quite happy for that. Also, that I have more than one day off in a row, <laughs> so you can do you can do something because I I usually have done two on one off, three on one off for the last God knows how long. So yeah. I've never done more than one day off in a row when I was on a training block. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to just normal life stuff a little bit more. For sure. Just go out to drink something and uh, don't be worried about your condition the next day too much. I think that's something a lot of um, people that aren't familiar with high-performance sport don't realize. Like when athletes like yourself or anybody, that when they go all in, it's the but, like it's those little things, little things that you miss out on. Like Because you know that if you go out for dinner, if you go out with friends for drinks, you're going to be affected. Even that like 1% or 2% the next day, that's something you're not going to go do just willingly. And I think it's something a lot of people yeah, don't realize what you give up. It adds up. It adds yeah. up. I yeah. mean, it sounds like it's not much when you go out for dinner or whatever, but social in, social interacting is tiring. And then it it makes it it creates problems that you don't need. Yeah. Like whatever whatever interaction you have with other people can create a problem, can can disturb your sleep at night, whatever. <laughs> So, no, big time, yeah. So it's uh, it it's yeah. I I've really I've not done anything pretty much the last couple of years. Um, I have my couple friends that I still have from school, and they they know how I am. So I I send a message every couple of weeks. How are you guys doing? <laughs> and they're fine with it. So I'm looking forward to do a little more with them and with my girl and just enjoying life a little bit more. Yeah. I, this is probably you know what one of the best fucking things about being retired is is that you can just when you wake up tired or whatever you don't have to go to the gym and lift a ton of weight or go to the track in cold weather you can just you can you just don't have to do it it's a wonderful feeling <laughs> yeah i don't know i've never i've never felt like training as a burden it's i i've, I've always enjoyed doing what i did pretty much like yeah, when I had to shovel away the snow on the track to get my session done and stuff like that. But whenever whenever the conditions were half decent, I enjoyed what I did. So that mm-hmm. part I will probably miss more than more than uh, more than enjoy not having. But yeah, like like I just said, it's just all the other small things that uh yeah. I, I'll see how it goes. You have a little more experience <laughs> on retired life. <laughs> and uh, I I don't know how much how how much uh, intensity I will I will put in into coaching. We'll see if I, if I get just eighty percent of what I did as an athlete, it's going to be quite intense still. So, <laughs> how how the heck do you guys shovel off the snow off the track and still ride? Is it just that cold that it's just like frozen underneath? It's just snow on top. 
You guys just that no, crazy? No, you have to do it. You just have to do it straight away. You just have to like when it okay. snows. You just have to put it away. Okay. Like for for some sessions, it was so cold that we were able to blow it away with the blowers. Yeah. But um, but usually you just have to shovel it really the next the next morning. Otherwise, it's not possible. Yeah. It's crazy. How cold does it get in Switzerland in the winter? Oh, I don't know. Minus ten. Oh, it's pretty cold, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty chilly. <laughs> but, but but that's rare. But the last winter was the first winter I spent at home in the last couple of years. Otherwise, we were always in Florida mm-hmm. for the preseason camp. And this winter with COVID, we couldn't we couldn't travel. So spent it at home, and it was probably the worst winter we've had in a, <laughs> in a while. So of we course. had quite some shovel sessions, and then took out the gas burners to get the start hill off off ice and heated heated the gate to to make it drop like it would uh, in summer and yeah it's quite it's quite some work you put in to get the sessions in yeah. that's insane that's nuts um another question i like this one that we had in here how do you want to be remembered in this sport and this could go a lot of different ways i feel like but for you <laughs> How, what's something you want to be remembered for? How do you want to be remembered? I don't know. I think just as as we talked about before, the guy who, who came from behind, like as a pack pack rider, a decent pack rider to to one of the one of the fastest guys, um, whole shotting like so many laps until the main, pretty much pretty much all the races. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's one one race that stands out to me as a personal achievement that, looking back, is still unbelievable. Like you guys remember the crash I had in Papandal when I face planted into oh. the turn one? Oh yeah. We... Oh boy, that oh was nuts. yeah, that was fucking gnarly. So I came into that. That was 2017. And I came into the year really well prepared, everything. And then that was round one or 16 finals, I think. And overjumped the triple, turned the bars and pretty much had a crash like Connor had in Tokyo. But I had the luck of a flat entry into the first turn and not eating the wall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was really destroyed. My hands were fucked. I couldn't I couldn't grip my, my handlebar for until Friday the weekend after that race was solder world cup. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I struggled. I, w- I was not able, I was not ready to go there, whatever. I, my hand was fucked up. I didn't have that much of a concussion because my helmet broke, like the whole mouthpiece broke inside. So I was just sliding on my face, but the impact wasn't that hard. I wasn't out or anything. So it was safe to ride, but then I, I got there Friday. I did one lap Friday practice in Zolder or two, three laps, whatever, but really not much. And I couldn't, I could hold on to the handlebar, but not, not open my hand anymore. So once I was set, I was set. I couldn't move. And then I made two World Cup mains that weekend. And there was something like looking back, I don't know how, like even the commitment to go full down a ramp, eight people in Zolder, which is a really tight track after like it's a it's a crash that really haunted me even after. Mm-hmm. Like just the just the picture in my head of of eating the asphalt like that. And 
I don't know what switch I have in my brain, but sometimes I'm just really stupid, I think. So I can, I can just switch off all the danger and just go, which, yeah, it helped a lot. And, and top of all the injury, like my hand that was injured and my, my soul that was injured from the weekend <laughs> before. I was in the semi, I think, on day one. Day one, I don't know which day. One mm. day, I was in the semi, lane seven. And I had Justin Kimmon next, next to me. He was in lane eight, and then we got introduced with the camera, and then Kimon told me, hey, you have a cut in your front tire. And I thought, he's kidding, you know? And then looking down, and I had a cut in the sidewall, and the tire was like a little bubble out. Oh, boy. Holy shit. And I was like, and yeah, the week before I had that crash, mm-hmm. and I was in the gate, and then they were like, with the camera, they were in lane five or four or whatever. I was like, what do I do? I can't they won't wait like that's too late so i just went for it <laughs> you row with it like that so i went for holy it holy shit I, I, I made i best start of the day i put in two yeah you cut me off really of, hard yeah i put in two <laughs> two pedals on the bottom of the ramp then over jumped the first jump to flat and then made the main and then i realized in the like in the team area i, I told them hey change my front wheel please Oh so at least, at least God. that. But, but just that switch, that you that you put away all the all the danger, all the bad feelings, all the all the risk you're taking. That's something from that point on. I, I that amazed me from myself so hard, because now looking back to it, it's it's pretty much impossible to just think about it, you know. So that's 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 the one race weekend where I ke- really felt like, well, if I can do two World Cup mains in a condition like this, there is no way I, I, I will go out earlier anymore. It's like, what do we want to throw at me, you know? And and it pretty much worked out. I I think I've missed from that point on. I missed another two or three World Cup mains. How, how in the world? Do you race the semi being okay with the tire just your tube just like coming out the side of the tire? That's like exciting. That. That's how, super how do exciting. You commit to that. I would be <laughs> you, so you just, nervous. You, you just get set. You just get set. You don't think about it anymore. People, it obviously it worked before. It probably was already the lap before. It just didn't see. So yeah. People just say that T and I just don't understand. Just don't think about it. What do you mean? Just don't think about it. <laughs> you just go. It's you crazy. just go for it. Yeah, but that's the switch. That's the switch I'm talking about. You know, yeah. I was, I was so, I was, and and that's the that's the fun part. I was so not determined on that weekend to do what I did, but when I was in the gate and the call came, I was. So, and and that's something that I, I think I've learned a lot about myself on these two race days, and that changed quite a bit for me. Yeah, I love it. Just say fuck it and go for it. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily it didn't explode at the bottom of the ramp. <laughs> I have a dude, I have a visual of that semi. I think I was beside you on the inside. Fuck yeah, you came came out like a missile and cut me off so hard down the ramp. <laughs> dude, my adrenaline was so high before the gate drop, I was pumped. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at something. Yeah, that's like, impressive. Sorry. No, go ahead, James. What do you say? I'm saying I'm looking at some of the stats, and it's yeah, it's insane. Like since that in 2017 when you made the final there, I think I'm counting at least around 25 um, World Cups that you raced in, and you missed 
five, five finals. That's a, it's mind boggling. It's insane. Yeah, most of them in 2017, I guess. And then yeah, there's Bathurst in there. I don't count Bathurst. <laughs> <laughs> no counts. No counts. There was a main. I I I don't I don't count <laughs> Bathurst. There was no main. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy uh, James do we add, what else we got in our, our notes before we quick shots I don't have it in front of me um, what do you think you'll miss uh, miss most about being a racer being a BMX oh, racer yeah. and about this racing BMX and kind of in general that's also a very big question that could go a lot of different ways but yeah I think the, the moment before the main I don't know if you have seen the video that got out from, I think, Nick. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Arshot uh, before the main in Papandal when everyone was set in the tent below the hill. Mm-hmm. That moment is probably the thing I will miss the most. That intensity, the, like the joy you have because you are in the main and, and the, at the same time, the intensity in everyone. And, and just... It feels like there is eight warriors or eight bulls kept in a cage. And then as soon as the guy gets like, okay, guys, and then you go choose your start lane and it, it just starts the whole process. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's probably like from racing, I will, I will miss that the most. Like back in the days, it was it, it started in semis already, but I got more relaxed in semis lately. So it was it was pretty much in the main. And from daily life, I think just the, just the thinking about how to improve that one, two, three, how to, how to get better, what, what to try next, stuff like that. But I, yeah, what to try next, I can still do because I have a couple of athletes to try weird stuff on now. They're, they're just going to be your and guinea pigs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, sure. I have I have too many things that I couldn't try out myself. So, <laughs> yeah, that moment, but that moment before the main or something is so special because you work so hard to get to that point, and you know you're there, and it's so intense. And then the guys like, okay, guys, and you're like, all right, here we fucking go. We're here. Yeah, and the thing is, like the whole team tent area, like there is ninety percent of the riders are not in there anymore. Like they're not yeah, lining yeah. up for that main. Everyone is watching you going towards the start hill. Everyone is talking with their mates, yeah. with their coaches about what's going to happen. And you're just in the zone and kind of like, well, what do you mean? What's going to happen? I'm going to win that now. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, just that feeling. And in Papandau, it was really cool because everyone was lined up behind the second turn and my tent was right there. So I had the whole view, like the whole, preparation for the main and yeah i enjoyed that one a lot i think that's got to be one of the yeah, coolest really cool. things those in moments are special yeah all right tisha we got we probably have the most uh fan questions quick shot questions we've ever had so uh um, yeah we got a shit we got a shit time this is probably going to take up like half the potty right here i'm just, i don't know but yeah, yeah we'll let's get, get the to good it. ones yeah right uh, yeah, get, get the good ones we'll get the good ones so let's i'll start it off this one's from uh dan paradigm were there any unique setup changes that you that never made it from the lab to the races <laughs> no i like serious setup changes pretty much always made it 
but I, yeah. I've done some joking stuff. I run forks uh, the wrong way around once just to see how that will feel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just some weird stuff. But um, riding without a seat never made it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Augie BMX MTB, four cross comeback on the cards? Nope. No, I'm not, I'm not going to race anything like for I'm not looking for competition anymore. I'm okay with it and and definitely four cross wouldn't give me anything anymore because the the level or the let's say the depth of athletes is is just gone. So there is no no pride in for me to to go there even if I would win that would, like it it would be still really tough to win but I wouldn't take out anything of it. Uh, from Hugo Oliveira 51, um, he says, what would you change to make the sport better? And I'm going to, that's a big question. So what's, what's one thing that's an easy change you think that would help make the sport better? An easy change is get full heats again. It wouldn't make the sport much better, but it would be, it would be better. And, uh, how to do it? Like, first of all, get rid of the motos at worlds and run it like the world cup. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we have a different system there. And then when you ride, when you do all the all the races, the same system as we do at the World Cups, you do the first round, and then you take all the qualified riders, and let's say you have 50 guys that qualified after the first round. So there is 14 spots available for LCQ. There you go. They're not taking each okay, like. each LCQ lap. You're not taking two riders. There is just 14 spots. And then go do LCQ based on lap time, like rank and then lap time. So if you're winning your lap and you have a really good lap time, you're good. If you're getting second, I like it. You, you need a better lap time than most of the other guys that are getting second. And just just fill up eight, like 64 riders and have full 1.8s. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, from DB Burt, what's your favorite Disney movie? <laughs> Disney? Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I haven't watched any Disney movies. Sure. Let's, let's say Marvel. That's on Disney Channel, I think. <laughs> Marvel stuff is pretty good. <laughs> uh, from Trevor BM- BMX500. What has BMX taught you throughout your career? Hmm. I think the same thing as every other sports teaches, like learn to lose, learn to overcome hard times and enjoy the big emotions. It's, I mean, if you have seen the pictures after the finish line in Papendal, the emotions are something you would never find anywhere else. And that's the, that's the great thing about sports. So special. From Kevin Morales, any advice for a rider who wants to reach the elite levels? <laughs> Ride more and uh, focus less on getting stronger. Like, get stronger and ride more at the same at the same time. And don't like don't overdo it with volume, but never cut track time. Always cut gym time. Interesting. I like it. Um, 
Austin underscore, underscore McCann says, where can they get a replica Worlds or Olympic jersey? Probably nowhere. <laughs> Probably nowhere. Nah, I don't think like the rep, the the Olympic jerseys. You can you can buy the mountain bike, the mountain bike and road stuff, but not the BMX stuff, I guess. And it's not the same material. But um, yeah. So typical. No, you, <laughs> no, you can't buy them. Maybe maybe I will I will make a, a giveaway at some point. But I'm I'm kind of keeping the jerseys for other riders that ask me. And I will probably keep one or two for the auctions that sometimes come up. I hope not. I don't. Be, I don't hope we need any auctions in the in the future for for any injured guys. But um, if they come up, I, I'll I'll still have some jerseys uh, laying around. Good man. From Bowen four five four. If the UCI didn't cut four cross, would he have pursued that rather than BMX? question hard to tell i was i was really good at the time in four cross and really bad in bmx so so maybe but it was for me it was nothing worth going for because bmx had the olympics and that was my biggest dream so probably probably i would have still decided to go bmx because of the olympics uh, from Megan Williams underscore NZ. Are you satisfied with your career? Overall, yeah. I think I think I am. I'm I'm quite happy. I'm on holidays now and I'm I'm happy when I think back. You're top six in the world on all time uh finals participation. So I mean that's pretty damn pretty damn good. Yeah, but you see how far away the guy in the front is. From <laughs> 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 David Bittner, BMX wise, what did you hate the most? I think when the UCI tries to establish those rules that they can go after really easy, like put the sleeve to the hand, like to the to the glove, or just these little jerky, like really bad rules that don't make a difference. And then at the same time, they they missed the, the the view for the bigger problems we have on a track, for like safety reasons or whatever. So that was pissing me off quite a bit, because when I was racing four cross, it was so relaxed with the with the officials because no one gave a shit. You could do what, like pretty much whatever. Yeah, there's some there's some dumb rules we have in our sport. I feel like with lines and issues. Like we had our national champs this weekend, and they were running it like running the book basically on everybody and like when they would go off the track like somebody got pushed into the pro set going into the the second straight and she like just touched the line went over the line but just went filed back into second place and she got like relegated and it's like what what are we doing here what are we oh doing? it's so yeah. fucking dumb like if you're getting yeah, squeezed well, well, out and you... I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, i understand that but i i wish i wish exactly on that rule i wish they would have been enforcing it way harder in the elite level as well because we've seen we've seen way too many serious cutting the line moves in the past that didn't get punished and then you get yelled at when you're not riding with your helmet between the two straights at the olympics you know like not on the track yeah. off the track yeah stuff like that pisses me off you know like we, we've we've had we've seen juries cutting the line in london for like a meter into the first turn and didn't get dq'd I I feel like I feel like cutting the line should be punished harder. Sure, it's always uh, something you have to take the situation in consideration. But but um, I I talk about the, the 
the rules, they are so easy to put in place for them that they always go after them, but they don't go after the rules that are difficult because it's a big decision, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's what's yeah. pissing me off. I'm a big guy. Like if you're not gaining position going <laughs> off the track and you come right back on, then to me it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I know. There's some weird no, things. sure, but I think that's the rule as well. If you're not gaining a position, you're okay. Yeah. There is. I was gonna say there is a weird one. I think there's like a. If you get pushed off the track and like you miss an obstacle and then you get back on and you keep racing, you can get like a relegate or something. But if you got pushed yeah. off the track and then just pretended to crash and walked off, you just get last place. There's something weird like that. Like you can like work the system. Yeah. So weird. It doesn't matter. Your day is over anyway. <laughs> True. Uh, getting back to it. Uh, from Paolo Dabo, Dabu, best track growing up in Switzerland. Well, I, I really enjoyed my home track winter tour to train. Um, as a as a small kid, I loved uh, Echichon. We had European champs there and stuff. When when they still had the ninety degrees turns, that was a really fun track as a kid with some really small, almost dirt jump style jumps on the second to last straight and stuff. So really small tracks. Yeah. This is a good question from James, actually. So if you were locked up for five years, what would surprise you most about the sport today? So I guess if someone locked you up in 2016 and you all of a sudden came out today, what would you be most surprised to see? <laughs> something I would, I would like to see or something that, 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 would, that would be bad. Just, yeah, in general, like, you come out uh, and you're like, holy crap. I could tell you what mine would be. Me being retired, I, I, think, I know. I, I know. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think seeing BMX as a mainstream sport, like being on big TV stuff, that would surprise me a lot. Oh, I like if it was. you're not a sport. Huh? Are you saying like that it's not on TV? Like that it's still not a big mainstream sport? That it is, that it is on TV would surprise me a lot oh yeah yeah okay yeah like if if it if it sudden if it suddenly would be on tv i would be like whoa what's happened now yeah what did they what did they do i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah what's what 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 would surprise you you said you have something my first instinct was to just target like the track and be like like the first jump like that would surprise me like from what i thought supercross was back then to what we are making it now where it's like a big hill oh, with a small okay. track. That's that's the question. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. Well, from five years ago to now, what was it, 2016? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, but I would I would have said it would have surprised me if Tom still would be the track builder there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he built some really cool stuff, but he messed up quite a, quite a few things as well. Some sometimes I wish I wish them back. I wish I wish we would have more like uh, elite tracks style tracks in our sport that are giving you some nerves again because now everyone is way too chilled at the races. They don't the kids don't even know what we had to go through to get to that point. <laughs> True. That's what about the tracks? Like what what are your favorite tracks out there to race on? Or what are some things that you really like? And what are th- some tracks that you hate? I like Paris a lot, yeah. and Papendal, Obviously, I think Papendal, There's nothing you can you can say other than the weather. Mm-hmm. I I feel like Papendal got a little bit too easy now. 
over the years it, it got tamed down a lot but mm. just that long first straight i wish all the tracks would have that yeah. like just that 150 meter first straight would be if you don't put a spine as a second jump like in tokyo it, it would be amazing <laughs> and yeah 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 other than that i i really like technical tracks um i think well, for me, for my level back then, the Rio replica in Chula was too far, mm -hmm. but it was more a problem of my skills than the track, I guess, because the top guys were doing it great. And yeah, I I enjoy tactical tracks. I really I really feel like we're going down a road a route where tracks are getting too easy. But then again, the the, the lap times are not that close, you know I. Like back in the days when tracks were quite tricky, we had some really close lap times at some points. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, Nick just destroyed us in the main in Papendal. And in Tokyo, he was like on another level. And then, but even behind him, the laps are like the top 10 guys are really close, but then there is quite a gap. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it shows, I don't know if that's pure strength or power out of the turns. But I think it's also skill you need to ride these tracks with the speed we're going. So yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to say what I would like to change. But I would like Stuttgart, for example, would be a really interesting track to race on because you have some big jumps, mm -hmm. like jumps that we haven't had in a in a while. The first jump is bigger than pretty much everywhere now, mm -hmm. and stuff like that would be nice to see. Also to see if the girls really stepped it up that bad, like that big uh, technically, or if the tracks just got a little bit too weak. Yeah. But um, I mean, definitely they stepped up big time. The top girls did. Mm -hmm. But then when watching like the, the, world, the world championships in Poppendal, I was surprised of how, how, how many did still jump in, like two in, one out on the triple into the first turn because it was a really easy triple, even for the girls, I feel like. And it's, yeah, I, I feel like we could challenge them a little more. Yeah, It seemed like a lot were, but it it seems like they're probably not comfortable doing it like because they don't do it all the time, like all the girls don't do it. When you're getting cut off for them, it's not like a, a go-to thing still. For us, if we get cut off, it's still yeah. just a go-to. But for them, it's very like... Yeah, and it was a little off, bit too do. flat... Yeah. It was a little bit too flat of a landing, so the two in one out was an option. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, from Boris Breckelman's favorite moment in your BMX career. Yeah, I think we've touched on that. I think Baku was high up there as a breakthrough for me, then Zolder followed up um at the worlds and then the solder race where i with the hands that story i just told you was some yeah. was some of the moments i really i really liked and then for sure verona i mean i i will lie if if, if that win that win was something really really special for me mm -hmm. so yeah um this is one i actually didn't know you did or it's saying it's from josh Butson. what was the note you held on your gloves for the final in Papendal? Did you have a note on your gloves or you held one? I don't remember you having any note. Well, this year. No. 
Yeah. And never because when you're in lane one, you don't have time for anything. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like the. Hi, mom. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really. I get, I get prepared when the when the guy in lane three has the camera in front of him, mm-hmm. and then from there on, you don't have time for anything. So now I have never had something on my glove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ah, I know what he. I know what he meant. Ah. <laughs> I was riding. I was riding the Olympics already. I was riding with a. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, I made myself a brace for my middle finger, so I I had a I had a plast brace like around my fingers because oh. of the injury I had pre Tokyo. I injured a tendon in my middle finger, and the tendon jumps off the knuckle if oh. I bent it. So I had to ride with a with a brace there. He probably thinks that was a a message. Oh, interesting. I didn't. Oh. Um, from Walford three eight one, best coffee you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> um, best flat white was in Tampa, but the, the the spot closed. It's not it's not in business anymore. We just checked the other day. In Tampa, uh, it's yeah, Colombian Colombian beans. I don't know what, what roaster it was, but it was really good. And then, yeah, I've had some really good coffees in Melbourne. Some yeah, really, really good coffees. They were hot there. Australia was a hot spot for coffee. Australia is the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me just quickly edit from Eddie Clarte. This is he says not a question. I'm just gonna miss you, G Raf. Shout out, Eddie. <laughs> oh, thanks, uh, Eddie. <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy to watch you. I, I like the style. Okay, um, James. James might be the last one because we've officially met halfway through the quick shots. You start at the bottom of the list. I started at the top. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this might be the last one. All right. Here it is. From Herzing Sander. Herzing. I don't know how to say that. What has been the best technical advancement in BMX in the last five to 10 years? I think this is a great question for GRAF. He wraps 10 sessions a day or 10 sessions a week of the track. That's the best advancement. True. Uh, well, the carbon bikes made, made a big difference in my eyes. The carbon rims, for sure. Um, well, technically, like on the bike, the, the thing I feel the most are the tubes. The, like the now I'm running the Tubolito tubes. Mm-hmm. Before I was running, I was running a, a Swiss a Swiss brand before the Tubolito Tubolito came in the game, and that's one part that you can put on and it you feel a difference. The rolling is different. the The response of the wheel is different. It's not just the weight, but also that material is stiffer. Mm-hmm. It gives the the tire a little stiffer sidewall, in my opinion, a little bit more hold to it. And then, yeah, I was lucky that Tubolito made me so even lighter tubes than all you guys had in the in the wheels. So I felt that advantage too. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, you you really th- you really think I would run I would run orange valves if there is nothing special? To it. <laughs> <laughs> like on my old blackout bike, I would never run orange valves for a couple of tubes. Now they, <laughs> I, I got hands on some some really light tubes there. But then again, I had a flat tire at the Olympics. <laughs> Not sure. 
No, it, it was it wasn't that. It was really a freak thing that a stone pushed through the tire and the tube in the middle of it. But yeah, overall, I think the tubes is something that you feel the most. And yeah, maybe the pedals as well. I don't I don't think many people know, but yeah. I don't think many people know. But back in the like before twenty, what was that twenty fifteen? Like HT was not was not in the game, mm-hmm. and and everyone was getting unclipped. Everyone was running zip ties around their shitty Shimano SPD pedals. Uh, Hands to up! Make it fit. <laughs> Hands and up! Then they, Hands then up! They, Hands then, up! <laughs> then they had to customize the internals, and everyone made a big secret out of what the Brits are running on their pedals. But then Liam like unclipped twice in Rock Hill and whatever, and. Uh, then I got unclipped in Rock Hill as well, in the quarters, I think, in lane one. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to the hotel and I had a message from HT Pedals. And the guy just asked me where he can send some pedals that I can try them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> that, that's, that's uh, offensive, but good, in a good way. And uh, he sent me pedals and then I tried them and they really didn't work because the spring was opening to the front and the back. So whenever you're pedaling, you're kind of swimming on the pedal. So I told them, well, the pedal is nice and, and you have a nice hold in it, but the spring to the front has to be covered. And now then they made that version with the hook that is the SX version now. So I think that's probably the biggest impact I had on BMX, on BMX technical stuff, because every, pretty much everyone is running them now if yeah. they're not getting paid by Shimano. And these guys would like to run them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. They're so good. Like, I, I think I use them for since then. So the last three years I raced or whatever, I'd never unclipped once. I've not unclipped since since that race. I've never I've never got unclipped. Yeah. Ever. Crazy. Yeah. And that's, yeah, they're so that's good. something. It was really common in our sport that people get unclipped on the hill in weird, in weird situations where you don't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's something that changed to the better a lot. Yeah. It's crazy how the For HT sure. ones, well, it's like a lot of old pedals, you uh, you get them brand new and they'd feel the best they ever have and they just go downhill from there. The HTs, you ride them like a few times and they, they like work in and then after they work in for that like year, they're, they, you can have them for like a year and they're still great. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, they're they, they so work. good. So, so good. So good. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad I well, could G- help out. I'm 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 not glad that I didn't sign any contract and made any money off it, but <laughs> it's good. <laughs> uh well G Raf, I think that's all we got for you today. So thanks so much for coming on. It was awesome to hear about your career and I'm gonna miss you on the track. Well, thank you. We'll see each other uh, track on the sideline when you are back in Terry's corner. Can drink some beer now. That's yeah, for better. sure. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having me again, better. guys. And uh, well, it's a long one again, but I think you expected it as well. I, th- I think we did. We planned for it. <laughs> we enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> people are going to love it. Yeah, we planned for it. So. Well, hey, much thanks, love, buddy. Guys, thanks and, for coming uh, on. Have a good day. Bye bye. Thanks, Giraffe. See you later. See you, buddy. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs>
you have to be fast on the track. I hate that guy. <laughs>